The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Beyond, and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 617 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we occasionally talk about PlayStation. I'm joined this week, not by Lucy O'Brien, she unfortunately couldn't be here, but I'm joined by two wonderful boys of the beyond. Boys of the beyond. (laughs) Max Scoville. Hey. And Brian Altana. Rap, rap. Welcome. Good thank to you see both you. for being here this week. Of course. Week. It's it, a thrill and an honor, Jonathan. Oh, well, yeah. thank you. It's been uh, one wild and crazy week. It has, and it's also a very busy week in the world of IGN. So much so that we can't really talk about all the things that are happening because there's a bunch of embargoed things for the yep. days to come. Uh, so if you're wondering why we're not talking about this week's big release, Pokemon Sword and Shield, that's why. Uh, we, of course, will be talking about the big games. It is coming to PlayStation 4, yeah. but it's, that's under embargo. That's under embargo. Yeah. So we'll reveal that on Friday when uh, it launches. But uh, no, of course, this Friday is Jedi Fallen Order. We'll be talking about that game next week. Um, so if you're wondering why, but we will this week, of course, be talking a little bit more about Death Stranding. Obviously, you've heard a bit from us about what we thought about the game. So I've reached out to a bunch of you for your thoughts about Death Stranding so far. Obviously, now it's been out for five or so days uh, as we're recording. So want to get all of your thoughts about what's been going on in that game. And also because it's been a bit of a quiet news time. That said, there are a few bigger news stories that I thought we could start off the show this week with. So let's dive in if the sound is working. To News Crunch. Was that it? Did it, 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 worked. Did it, it did the sound. Did it it did the sound. We're all Sweet. good. It, it made crunched. The crunch. It crunched. Yeah. Uh, the apple was there. That's crunch. So um, the first thing I do want to talk about, the most recent thing that happened, is a statement that was said to the Italian press by Hideo Kojima about Death Stranding reviews. Uh, Kojima was speaking to an Italian outlet about the mixed reception of Days Gone, or Days Gone, Death Stranding. It's been a week and it's only Tuesday. Uh, About Death Stranding in the US and especially compared to Europe and Japan. Uh, Kojima was speaking to an Italian game website, TGCom24. Um, And there was some bit of a mistranslation going on in there. Uh, There was a pointing to... An original part of this translation where Kojima was essentially saying that Death Stranding flew higher than first-person shooters, uh, that was not what was said. Uh, We both had the statement as it was written in the Italian outlet, translated by someone who fluently speaks Italian. Uh, That person is a mystery, but 
they're related to an IGN UK <laughs> person. It is uh, not, it's not me. It's not you. Um, but we had that statement translated and then also reached out to PlayStation. The PlayStation representative uh, spoke to us a bit about what was translated. Our independent translation of Kojima's answer regarding the mixed decep- uh, reception was, quote, I must say that the game has received some enthusiastic reviews above all in Europe and Japan. Here in the U.S. instead, we've had stronger criticisms. Perhaps it's a game that's difficult to understand for a certain type of critic and some of the public. Americans are some of the biggest first-person shooter fans, and Death Stranding isn't that. Uh, As I said, we reached out to Sony, who also provided translation for Kojima's final line, which where that uh, mistranslation on the first-person shooter aspect came from, and their version, which was translated from, you know, the original Japanese that was spoken, said, quote, in America, there are a lot of SPS fans. Maybe those fans are saying that this is like a different game and are not rating it very high. Um, in either case, it seems to be sort of a belief that there is a cultural preference uh, at play here that may be influencing some of the reviews mm-hmm. and the impact of those games. I will note, as uh, IGN's reviews executive editor Dan Stapleton noted, our Death Stranding review was done by Tristan Ogilvie, who is a member of the Australian team of IGN. He does not work in the U.S. or out of the U.S. office whatsoever. He We work, of course, in conjunction with them, but he is located and firmly... <laughs> exists within the bounds of Australia and lives yep. there. But he reviewed the game for IGN proper as a whole. I'll, I'll piggyback that with our game of the year of 2018 was a third-person action game PlayStation exclusive with a, an incredibly heartfelt and original story. So I think that we're capable... We like those games. ...of a little more than just shooters. We yeah. do give Call of Duty a 10 every year, though. Right, so, as evidenced by the fact that we've literally never done that. Yes, yeah, very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is an interesting thing, I will say right now, as we were looking, just for those who are curious, uh, Death Stranding currently holds an 83 Metacritic, uh, so it's not necessarily doing poorly. No. Um, we, of course, were, I think, you know, one of the lower end of the scores in terms of, like, the major mm-hmm. outlets. Obviously, there was some discrepancy. People wanted to point out the different IGN outlets that gave it higher scores versus IGN Us that gave it a score, IGN US. Yep. Um, to, to clarify, the English-speaking IGN offices all work together. So, yes. UK, yeah. Australia, and US Whereas everything else is sort of like almost like a franchise deal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we occasionally collaborate with IG in Japan, but they are a separate entity entirely. So yes. Yeah. And Which I, is, yeah, it's a give and take. Those sites do act independently. We can work with each other and sometimes they uh, adapt some of our content into their language. Sometimes if, you know, there's IG in Brazil, there's a big Brazil game show. We might want to work with them to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, translate some of their content. So that happens, but they do operate sort of independently beyond using the IGN brand. It's sort of like how McDonald's Japan has <laughs> eggs <laughs> on their burgers. And you're like, that's interesting. But it's all still under the golden arches. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the, the thing is like we, in, we, we headlined one of our Beyond episodes calling Death Stranding one of the most divisive games of the year. And I think we all still stand by that. I think a lot of people looked at just the Metacritic score of like 83. And they're like, well, that's not divisive. And it's like, that's true. Inherently, as a number... 83 is not a divisive number, you know? Like, if I got a B in school, my dad would be like, thank God, (laughs) you know? Like, people are happy at that, usually. You had very different parents than I did. Yes, yeah, well, (laughs) I I had very, uh, I had expectations and I shattered them in the the wrong direction. Fair enough. Um, But uh, I think that if you read into what a lot of the reviewers were saying, that's where the divisiveness comes in, where a lot of people said, like, you know, just 
even within us right here, we, we wrote a piece about like the first 10 hours of the game and how some people love it, some people don't. Um, that Reading into the reviews, like actually reading them, not just scrolling to the number, which I implore you to all do more often. Um, you'll find that there was a lot of people being like, this is not for everyone. This is a very love it or hated thing. I personally loved it. I personally didn't like it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of that came from. I think it's like even the most diehard, diehard men out there who played this game and, and really loved the first 10, 20 hours, I don't think they could look look directly at the camera and be like, everyone will love this. Oh, yeah, I've, no. As, you know? as probably of the three of us, the most positive on the game in terms of enjoying it the most. I totally don't think this is a game for everyone. I fully expected not to enjoy this game going into it, uh, but I absolutely don't fault anyone for disliking that Mm -hmm. game. This is, I think, where the frustrating part of the discussion comes in. I don't blame anyone for not having a good time just because I had a good time. We are all very clearly have played this game for dozens of hours, and it is totally fair, and I very much understand all the criticisms. I just happen to feel differently. As opposed to you yeah. feeling. No, I mean, yeah. I honestly, around, around the office, just anecdotally, like people I expected to like the game gave up and people I expected to be like, what the hell is this? Are like, I really like it. Yeah. You know? If you had so, told yeah. me Sam Claiborne would have been one of the most like people in the office who loves this game the most, I would have been shocked just personally on his yep. likes. But. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had Matt Kim who does news with you and yeah. Brandon Hunt who runs, who like uh, works on our social team, both kind of like skittishly walk up to Max and I today and be like, so I'm really enjoying Death Stranding. We're like, that's okay. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're, you're, it's, it's a video game. It's designed to be consumed and enjoyed in, in some capacity. Yeah. Um, I, I find this is an interesting one to talk about because it's not, it's, 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 it's not the worst game ever. And I don't think it's the best game ever. And there's, there's a, there's a large area of conversation that happened between those two posts. And I think a lot of people can't handle that that level of, I don't think that that's intellectual gatekeeping. Like I won't say it's because they're shooter fans. I had a guy tell me that like, I don't like the game because I I should stick to Fortnite, which is like, yeah, it's just like, I, I mean, that's, that's just such a stupid, stupid, stupid yeah. thing mm-hmm. to say. It, it's really fascinating to me because I think it's also a game where there are parts of it that are really interesting and parts that are bad. Like as someone who really enjoys it, I think there are just objectively parts that don't work and parts that do work and are really interesting. And I want to discuss more and others that I want to criticize. And I think we've, there's been so much talk in the last few years, especially this generation of like a game is great or a game is not great. And it has to be in one of those camps. I hate that. And especially with this game that is so divisive, but I think within itself is divisive to a certain extent it's hard to talk about that because we are so used to discussing things in black or white terms. Max and I did a video for up at noon a couple of years ago. We, we were like, here's like 20 things in star Wars attack of the clones that are really cool. And it's like, look, we can all get together and admit that that is definitely not the strongest movie in, in that <laughs> nine, 11, 10, 15 movie batch, whatever it is at this point, plus a TV show. And, um, <laughs> But we were able to look at that and go like, okay, but but this character is really cool, or this 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 the sound that Django's ship makes is really cool, you know. Like, I like I I really think it's important to find that kind of stuff um, because it's not it's not as black and white as like sitting there and being like Death Stranding sucks or Death Stranding rules. Like, dig into why something works or something doesn't work for you. Like, I there are so there's so much I love about Death Stranding, and I think as a whole package, it doesn't gel for me. But I I, I could never just look at it and be like. That game's trash. Well, yeah. so I think there's this this idea that like critics are like media cops, and it's like nobody nobody wants to dislike things. No, like you don't go out of your way to be like, well, 
Looks like I'm going to be disliking this. I'm going to really just really show it who's boss by not enjoying it. It's like, I would so much rather have a good time across the board with something. But oh, like, God, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to take on a review where I'm forced to play, and this is not what happened with Death Stranding, but like play a 100-hour game and play it over the course of a week and come to a critical analysis. Like, that's not something I want to do. No, no, no. I mean, I always I always compare this, like the, the scene in Matilda where the little boy who gets caught stealing cake is forced to eat the entire cake in front of the whole school and all the kids are like chanting, like, you can do it, Brucey. Like the Bruce Bogtrotter cake scenario is reviewing a giant video game yeah. where you're under pressure to consume this thing that should be enjoyable and should be savored and should be appreciated and under smaller, like lower stress circumstances totally can be. But, you know, to try to separate that experience from like, is that kid going to go ahead and never had cake again? I don't know. He's fake. He's in a movie based on a Roald Dahl book. That's (laughs) irrelevant. But like, I definitely think that my, my experience with Death Stranding was I was kind of, I don't know, I kind of forced myself to burn through it too quickly. And everybody I know who's having a really good time is taking their sweet ass time, which is entirely (laughs) antithetical to the act of being a delivery man. Yeah. Oh yeah. I saw somebody, somebody in the comments was like, if do people like, it was like, if you like Amazon prime, will you enjoy this game? And I'm like, if you like Amazon prime, you're probably used to having your videos on demand and you're shipping in under two days for free. And it's like sometime in the same afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, that is very much an instant gratification platform. And ironically, this is a game that's like, nah, man, just really enjoy the scenic route. Yeah. Take your time. it's, speaking of irony, I mean, the fact that this is a video game about bringing the world together and it's tearing us apart is, is saying mm-hmm. a lot in itself. I mean, there's the, this, this game is getting review bombed on Metacritic yeah. and it is getting tens and ones. And that is like, first of all, I think that there is something that is definitely necessary for user reviews. I think like for, for me to ever sit here and be like, user reviews aren't as important as the reviews written by my friends. That's a stupid thing to say. Sure. There's also so much, especially on Steam, that falls through the cracks that, that the industry at large could never even dream to cover, where user reviews thrive. That said, I think giving a 60-something hour video game a 1 out of 10 an hour after it goes live... Probably not the most worthwhile criticism. We saw yeah. we saw people in the comments of like last week's episode or whenever we put up the Death Stranding one, where it just immediately after it was Two up. Two months ago. Uh, whenever that <laughs> what was that three or three and a half. <laughs> it years? was a Friday yeah. before something. So, yeah. Whenever it was the but the fact is like when the thing was out, it, it I know how long it takes to complete it. There's no physical way that somebody managed to actually complete it at that point. So for someone to jump in the comments and be like, nope, wrong, and it's like you you haven't you haven't finished it. It's yeah, not, like in the same way that like. You know, a, a, we'll put up an hour-long podcast and somebody will comment in like less than an hour after it goes live complaining about something. It's like, you haven't seen the whole thing. <laughs> we know, we, we, the facts hey, are right there. We see it. Give us credit. We screw up in the first five seconds. That's Const- very true. Without question. Yes. Constantly. Absolutely. We can all agree on that. That's it. I wanted to get back to Kojima's quote here. Whichever, yeah. whatever the actual definition is. I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> Um, I do feel like it is gatekeeping. I feel like it is absolving any criticism around the game, for which I think there is a justifiable amount, uh, and sort of just hand-waving it and saying, you know, this is only for people who only like first-person shooters. And it's like, it's disingenuous. There's also like, there are specific moments in this game that uh, specifically ape like war games. Yeah. Like they're... It's a reoccurring theme almost. Um, well, and also just the the general tone of that. For me, it's like a way better way to have phrased that. And again, we are taking this from the Italian translation of someone who was speaking in Japanese originally. Um, 
art doesn't have to be for everyone and that's okay, but mm -hmm. rather, than, rather than it coming from a tone of, oh, they just don't get it or don't have the background to get it, mm -hmm. maybe to just be like, it's okay that not everyone, you know, liked it. Some people are seeing things in it to like, some are not. Yeah. That is art. I think there's, there's definitely two arguments to be made here. One is that uh, if, if Kojima was really committing to making a game that was aggressively not a first-person shooter game or did not have any shooting elements in it, then it would have been a, probably a more interesting game if it had been 100% a pure delivery game yeah. and hadn't had sort of trappings of Metal Gear Solid Five in there, which I love Metal Gear Solid Five, but I think that that kind of held it back from actually being its own new thing. Yeah, those are some of the least interesting parts. And then me. he's also yeah. sort of obsessed with soldier culture and yeah. has and has used the word soldier in the titles of his games numerous times, as well as shown so soldiers in the... In, in actual trailers for this game, like dudes running out with guns and fatigues and masks mm. and all this other stuff. No, there's like, I don't know. There's tons of like, there's action trappings to this kind of slow meditative mountain yeah. climbing game. Uh, I mean, also, they, they sort they piecemeal along like yeah. bigger and bigger weapons and grenades and guns. But, and yeah. Also flip side, like this dude, I don't know. He it's it, Japanese developer who spent plenty of time in America, but at the end of the day, like in the same way that I can't go to Japan and fully understand it, I would be willing to say that maybe he doesn't fully understand America and that for him to make a game about reuniting America and then be like, no, American critics don't like it because it's because it's um, it's not a shooter. It's like, really? Like maybe, <laughs> maybe mm, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's yeah, it, it's a weird tone. And again, it is working through, you know, several layers of mm -hmm. uh Translation, so who knows what may have been lost there. But yeah, it, it does rub me a bit the wrong way. Because it, it is something I think there is worth value in exploring the good and bad of what does and doesn't work in this game. But I also feel like because we're mired in a lot of is it perfect or is it not discussion right now. Right. I like I want to talk about Death Stranding maybe in six months <laughs> when we can all kind of like yeah. take a step away from it and see coming back. I mean, that's, yeah, that's when the later. dust settles and yeah. when everyone stops being so, like, angry and reductive yeah. and reactive. I, also, just side note, I yeah. went to the post office this last weekend, like the regular old USPS, you know, Eagle mascot. Uh, Kojima, I don't think, has ever been to one of those. <laughs> I feel like if he'd been there, it would be a, a much bleaker post-apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is uh, you know, I'll do respect to postal workers out there. I, I appreciate your service, but those ladies were rude to me, so. Yeah, no, it's, it's. It's kind of like a smaller scale DMV that occasionally gives you a prize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, that said, we are going li to listen to some of the viewer and listeners at home's opinions of the game just in a little bit. But first, I did want to mention another really big piece of news that happened in between episodes, which was another restructure when it comes to PlayStation uh, at the corporate level. So was it late last week? I don't know how time I think works it was anymore. Wednesday. It was Wednesday. I want to say it was Wednesday. Okay, I want to say so it was right it after was, we've... It was yeah. exactly when the news always breaks. Of course, yes. yes. Uh, so PlayStation announced a change in leadership. Of course, uh, they announced earlier this year Sean Layden would be leaving. Uh, they announced that Guerrilla Games' Herman Holst would now succeed Shuhei Yoshida as head of Worldwide Studios. Uh, I believe Sean was chairman of Worldwide Studios. Um, meanwhile, PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan says the reorganization is necessary to help the transition into the PS5. Uh, in addition to Herman taking over for Shuhei, Shuhei Yoshida is now taking on a new role where he will essentially be helping to partner with indie developers and helping to cultivate those relationships and partnerships for PlayStation going forward. Um, speaking to gamesindustry.biz, Jim Ryan said, quote, Yoshida will ensure the entire SIE organization works together to better engage with independent developers through a culture of supporting and celebrating their contributions to PlayStation platforms. Uh, looking for any other relevant quotes here, but essentially 
Herman Holst is now taking over. He's moving from uh, Guerrilla Games, where he was a co-founder and managing director. Obviously, he was uh, very influential for Horizon Zero Dawn and makes a cameo in Death Stranding. You may know him as the engineer, I believe? Yes, uh, the craftsman. Craftsman. Yes. Uh, He is there as the craftsman, along with some other Horizon nods, but he will now be moving on to head all of the Worldwide Studios while uh, three other people at Gorilla are taking over essentially as co-leads, and I will find their names because I don't want to leave leave them out here. Uh, Yes, three of his colleagues, uh, probably going to mispronounce, so apologies, but uh, Andrew Smets, uh, Jean-Bart Van Beek, and Michael Vanderloo will take over as joint studio heads at Gorilla. I think you did great. Thank you, I'll try. Uh, If any of your names were mispronounced, please yell at me directly on Twitter. I think it's Yan. Uh, Jan Bart yeah. Van Beek? Uh, uh, Doesn't matter. Well, let's debate this for another... No. Um, you, did, you did well. I appreciate it. Uh, but no, so obviously this is a big sign of change. Again, another step in the reorg that's been happening at PlayStation recently. Uh, Jim Ryan explained further in the Games Industry article that this is... A lot of the changes have been made to help globalize the PlayStation organization and essentially say, instead of doing things, the organization was very split to America, Europe, and Japan. Instead of doing things that were done in triplicate, we want to more centralize and have it all done once. Mm -hmm. So obviously there are ways to play to those different uh, territories and their interests, but if we're going to do a press tour for one game, why not make sure it's globalized and planned rather than have to do it among the three that's, territories? That's really cool. Yeah. I really like that because I feel like we frequently sort of, I don't know, we all have international conversations like that we have a you know a global office and we have a global audience and it's kind of cool to see them sort of actually uh, you know coming together. Uh, I can't help but sort of think about how this, this feels like the early days of the PlayStation 1 mm-hmm. when they were like, let's we'll send you over to Europe so that like the Japanese like corporate you know, Sony people get off your back for like Ken Kutaragi when he was like developing the original PlayStation. Oh, yeah. Yep. That was basically like, oh, um, you know, the Japanese suits don't really understand what you're doing. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it's obviously totally different here, but. Yeah, you know. here Ryan said, quote, the first global campaign that we ran around was around Spider-Man. It's a great game, obviously, but it also ended up as PlayStation's best-selling first-party game. It was one global campaign conceived and executed in an outstanding manner, as opposed to three different regional campaigns that are often executed very well, but the same thing in essence done three times. Right. Um, So this is a very big thing for them. Obviously, as uh, Jim Ryan was saying, you know, FIFA will still be really highlighted in Europe. Fortnite has been a big focus here. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is obviously a big push in Japan, but... Call of Duty in America. Home yeah. of the shooters, baby. Top 10. 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> I'm too dumb to get anything else. Give me a gun. <laughs> but I... But don't let me see my sword. <laughs> Give me the gun. <laughs> I, I do think it's a bit of a... As we're like transitioning into the PS5 era, I... Late era PS4, Sony to me has been very devoid of a personality. Yeah. And I think them all getting on the same page and the same foot, whether or not Herman becomes a like out there on the stage every time spokesman and he's wearing a, you know, Crash Bandicoot t-shirt to tease a reveal, whether he's that person or whether he takes a backseat to let like other people take that front or if they take another approach, I think it makes a lot of sense. One, to sort of globalize and centralize all these things when the PS5 is meant to be pushed everywhere. But two, it shows a lot of faith in the Sony first party to have, you know, the head of one of those studios be the person to take over this yep. position. Yep. No, I'm totally with you. Herman's a awesome dude. He was in the IGN office a couple of years ago and he and I did a like a two hour long Horizon Let's Play. <laughs> and it was one of those things where I had like all these 
questions prepared, but he just like, he just went and just told me about everything. And I was, I was already in, you know, I was mm-hmm. like totally sold on this game, but the, the dude's a great public speaker. Like he, he knows his stuff. He gets it. It's also like, this is a really interesting and cool transition for Shuhei. Like anecdotally watching that dude on social media. And also he and I are friends on Nintendo switch. <laughs> um, the, the guy plays a lot of weird, bizarre, like, twee indie games. He loves small games. Yeah. And he's really great about advocating those. Even within yep. the first party, like, of any of the executives, he's the one. He he was, like, so happy that we put up our Blood and Truth review uh, as early as we could. He was happy with the Concrete Genie, like, coverage and not that we're doing this for, you know, Shuhei's blessing. But sure. I mean, he really advocates the smaller games that were within even the PlayStation first party lineup and not yep. just the Spider-Man and the God of War. He really wants to push all of that. And those are the games that that, that need help. They're the ones that, that need they, they need assistance crossing to the finish line and, yeah. and getting onto the stores. And there's all this, like... There's all this like little sort of box ticking nonsense that comes with creating and shipping and designing a video game that I think that like somebody of his stature coming in and being like, how can we help with all of this and alleviate a lot of that pressure so you guys can stick to the creative aspect is tremendously beneficial. And I do think there's been a bit of a perception, I think like reasonably so, of Sony kind of taking a step back from putting such a focus on indies, especially yeah. with the rise of Switch. But those first couple years of PlayStation uh, we talked about it last week, like Resogun is, I think, the best launch game. And it yep. was touted hugely at the first couple of E3 press conferences for PS4. It's like, here's six indies on stage. No Man's Sky was a big push for them. A lot of indies were a big push. And then that slowly started to fall away with them not being as big a presence. We've yeah. seen that a little bit in State of Plays, where independent games do get a bit of a spotlight. But that's very different from the E3 stage. It's also, your, your, your brain attaches itself to things that you enjoy and that are fun. And in hindsight, it is irrelevant what a game's budget was. Because when we sat here and we looked back at the PS4's launch, I wasn't like, well, Resogun is a worse game than Killzone because it had a smaller budget. I was like, Resogun was the winner for the PS4 launch for me. Yeah. And I don't care how, if four people worked on it or 400 people worked on it, like video games are video games. And at the at the end of the day, like I, I just want PlayStation to have tons of awesome exclusives. I want them to to grab small studios and big studios and get that synergy together and just make it so I'm constantly playing really cool games on my PS5. That's no, it. I mean, yeah, Shuai seems like a like he's a very personable dude. And he's also pays attention on Twitter and probably keeps an eye about on things that people are talking about. And like Herman has experience running a massive studio that put out a huge, impressive AAA game a couple of years ago. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like to have people play to their strengths is good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's definitely a good sign going forward into the PS5's uh, launch window and the lead up to all of that. Obviously, we have seen a lot of shakeups recently and it's left a lot of like doubt. What is Sony right now? Like, Mm -hmm. is this all of a miss? And obviously, you know, having so many changes and people leaving is, you know, possibly a worrying sign. But at least these two moves to me do give some reassurement that like going into the PS5 launch, maybe we're not getting fully back to like PS3 launch era egotistical Sony like that's my yeah worry. that's a good concern to have going into no, PS5 totally get Th- there. this feels like a positive restructuring uh in the wake of like 15 significant departures which yeah. is not really like the kind of stuff that imbues confidence leading into a new console launch so it's it's nice to to go into 2020 being like here's our battle plan here's our structure rather than being like four more people left <laughs> like this is way <laughs> this is way better news there yeah yeah especially getting ahead of it which is what they seem to be doing is smart mm-hmm. um obviously we'll have 
another full year to see how this rollout of the PS5 goes, and we'll be talking about that plenty in the weeks and months to come. I do want to talk about, as I had mentioned earlier, uh, some of all of your thoughts about Death Stranding, and we can touch on some of these opinions. I reached out this to... This is what I want to hear. I feel like we're too close to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, have, we have brain problems from paying too much attention to it. it. I want to hear what these guys have to it's say. It's been a constant presence in the IGN office for quite a while. So yeah, it's exciting to hear from all of you. I reached out to, for reference for this week, the Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond, as well as the YouTube Beyond community, which is at youtube.com slash IGN beyond. If you go to the community tab, I occasionally post in there for asking for comments and questions and whatnot. So be sure to check that out and subscribe to the channel so you get those notifications. But a bunch of you responded, um, and thank you so much for everyone who did. Definitely have a wide gamut of impressions here. First one that popped up as I put it on Facebook, uh, Jeremy said, tedious and full of hot air, which I think has definitely come off that way for some people. The tedium, I think, has definitely been a recurring feeling for some people in the office, for sure. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because that's obviously completely subjective, and I definitely dipped in and out of that feeling for for a while there but there's i've heard people on the same page sort of describe it as you know fulfilling and cathartic so one man's tedium is another man's sky uh alternatively the next comment was from casey casey said i'm about 20 hours in and loving it i think the gameplay loop is what really makes the game for me wandering through the world to make deliveries and occasionally getting upgrades to make traversal traversal better the story is weird, but is actually kind of interesting to me. Walking for sometimes 20 minutes isn't always a blast, but I'm still compelled to see what is going on in various parts of the world. Uh, moving on from that, Jason said, I think the initial negative talk that was going around helped me like it more. I had all these huh. concerns after I pre-ordered to the point I was about to cancel, but with low expectations, it's been great so far. And I did want to bring that up because expectations that you go into something with can drastically affect how you end up liking or disliking a yeah. thing. Uh, Not that it invalidates anyone's opinions, but I do think for me to a certain extent going in, I really went into this game kind of expecting to have to play it for work so that I could be able to talk about it and ended up liking it a bit more. I do think that certainly affected that a bit. Uh, Yeah, a hype can definitely be one of the most negative things in the world if weaponized incorrectly. Uh, I think it's, it's... Again, like what we were talking about before, that things have to either be like game of the year or the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever made. Um, and pushing things into these corners makes it difficult. This was a tough one because it's we didn't we both knew too much about it and knew too little about it. Yep. And then so I, I think there was the expectation that this this is going to be a new genre and it's like unlike anything you've ever seen before. And it turns out a lot of those weren't really founded. But I think that like getting into it, if people can kind of measure their expectations a little bit mm-hmm. um that's i read a lot of people who were sort of like oh man this is this sounds like exactly what i want it to be you know yeah i mean i'm definitely like i i think i rushed my way through it um i tried really hard to keep my expectations in check because obviously like i was paying really close attention to this going in if i'd like stopped watching trailers and coverage maybe a year and a half ago or something it would have been a very different experience but yeah. the fact that kojima has a tendency of Spoiling his own games, Showing just straight up, yeah. Um, yeah. just revealing, like, just so much of the sense of discovery is, like, finding what's at the end of that thing, and then to be like, hey, here it is in the promotional materials, please don't do that. Yeah. It's, um, it's a bummer, man, because it's like, yeah. if, if you if you think about it, like, I mean, w- w- as we're recording this, like, Disney Plus went live at, like, midnight last night, and basically almost everyone in our office either stayed up late or woke up early to watch The Mandalorian and not get spoiled, and that is a show that's like had a couple trailers and a couple teasers that I stopped looking at, but it's really on 
it's 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 the power of the content creators to essentially pull back and show us as little as possible. Because once this stuff is out in the wild, social media will destroy everything in mm-hmm. half a second. So the less we get we get shown, um, the better. This is also a game that never had a had a preview. There was never a preview cycle for this game. Yeah, like a Fallen Order, which I'm playing now, and we can talk about next week. And you guys will get to play this weekend. Um, I, I played three hours of that game at an event three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Like that, that had a very specifically, we, Max and I played it at E3. Yeah, we played at E3. Like that, that you had got a, a sense of what it is, yep. what it's like. This is, this is, I believe one of the first sort of triple A or definitely first party Sony games I've ever played that skipped the preview cycle entirely. Yeah. Most of the last mm-hmm. few big releases, we've gotten those like, here's the first three hours of Spider-Man and God of War and even a big previews of Days Gone and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a different cycle to see. I can kind of understand it because I don't necessarily know what three hours you would pick to show someone of this game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that'd be really weird. It, it also, because of the open nature of it, you could get really disparate three-hour experiences. And yep. I think that would be interesting and valuable to discuss sort of in a vacuum. Mm. But um, yeah, I can, I guess, reason why they didn't show it. In it that. also, yep. it does have like, I don't want to say so much a learning curve as it is like you you get a feel for it, yeah. you know, like it's, it's less like you're learning how to play it. It's more like you're learning how to enjoy it. Like you're learning how you're going to play it yourself. Um, well, like crawling is, you know, stupid compared to walking. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you got to do that first. But yeah, yeah. But, and even if you're a baby and you're just doing tummy time and you're sitting there, once mm-hmm. they start crawling, you're like, this is amazing. Yeah. So if you handed somebody the controller and you're like, you can crawl and they never just sat there on the yeah. floor yeah. or walked. They're sort of like, I haven't earned this experience yet, mm-hmm. and so I don't know any of the struggles that came with it yet. So, well, And speaking to that, Varun said, in a world where most open-world games make traversal as easy or simple as possible in order to facilitate exploration or to get to you to the action as quickly as possible, it's really refreshing to play a game where the traversal itself is the challenge. I like how serene traveling can be, but also tense when you throw in mules and BTs. The gameplay reminds me of Shadow of the Colossus as it also took a simple mechanic climbing and made it intentionally challenging in order to make the player struggle. There's definitely a lot of parallels there. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that idea. I wish that, I think it, it loses some of that refreshment when you make, you incorporate backtracking yeah. and yeah. repetition. Because yeah. like if this game had been, if this had stretched out a bit, like if this was once, like not linear, but like it's it's almost this. Like it's a game about, you know, reconnecting America and about and a, a journey westward and it sometimes there's sometimes you go south sometimes you go east you know it's actually a lot of going east you know like, I actually yeah. I'm totally with you I, I thought the game was going to be more move across the, the country and it is but there is also like a lot of triangulation where you just like go here mm-hmm. go back to here go back up to here especially the first three or four chapters yeah. are a lot of like okay you made it out this far but you got to go back to where you started out and I think that that loses a lot of that sort of like that the mood and the atmosphere of like coming up over a ridge for the first time and being like, what's over there? The Eastern region, especially, which is the first opening chapter, definitely yep. feels that way because there's only so many places to go. Mm-hmm. You, there is a lot of uh, possible backtracking in the central region, though there's a, enough movement that I'd say at least sometimes it feels like you're going to new areas and there's there's a little bit more excitement in that like middle region for me. Yeah. Um, but definitely the beginning, yeah, you're at the... Th- same four or five stops. You also definitely do get enough sort of upgrades and apparatuses that make it so that deliveries aren't like a constant babysitting of like, you know, uh, weight management and distribution and balance. Um, 
And I think like that's that's when things start to really speed up, but also when it sort of loses its its core ideology of like every you know the journey is the destination or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of that gets th- kind of thrown aside, and it just becomes like this thing that you get pretty good at. Yeah, um, right. which I, is uh, you know rewarding, but not really difficult or challenging. Sure. Yeah, I really wish that uh, I I always thought with Phantom Pain the way that game was structured that it was like konami's call or something and that kojima would have made like a much leaner story with sort of optional stuff to do on the side which is how he's done a lot of things usually there's like like either a new game plus or like even the first metal gear solid there were vr missions like there's always sort of like oh here's metal gear solid substance like here are snake tails like here's like this side stuff to do that's after the main story yeah uh it would have been so cool if this was like an eight hour campaign with an optional you know 36 hours of deliveries you could go (laughs) do like Mm -hmm. if they were like hey uh you you completed the thing but you know, go nuts. And like, realistically, like that, that isn't how it is. You know, (laughs) like it's a substantial amount to get through the story. And that's it there. There's not that much story. Yeah. You know, it's pretty sparse there. Side note on that. I'm curious for my sake, um, having not played MGS five would going back. Do you think from this to that? I think you'd love it. Do you think I I think you would absolutely adore it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I've thought about going back to it. I I think that like a lot of the sort of like, cumbersome systems that you're dealing with in death stranding uh are kind of holdovers from five mm-hmm. but um the actual loop of gameplay is a lot snappier okay i mean go in knowing that this is not it's not a finished completed yeah. game yeah um but there's god there's so much to love in that game honestly cool. like i mean it, five is also like so much of like sort of a sandbox where you can i don't know they, they give you weather balloons to tie to sheep to steal <laughs> for some reason mm-hmm. because your, your boys your boys want mutton or something I'll i don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah it's also like customizing your your helicopter and your horse is a lot more fun than customizing like the straps on your jansport yeah i was yeah the i was same really six hoping, colors for your car yeah. yeah i was really hoping that we there would be more sort of customization unveiled yeah. but i think it's all like sort of hidden behind like higher level you know five star deliveries or whatever yeah which it, is, yeah it definitely is i would say the clothing options in this game are not great Mm -hmm. Very limited and kind of boring. Uh, Going through some other impressions, though. Michael in the Facebook group said, my 15-hour review. Uh, He didn't write for 15 hours. I think he meant how long he played. (laughs) It's RDR2. If Arthur had no gang, all of the cities were individual shacks, and his horse, when available, is entirely inadequate to traverse the barren, (laughs) rocky, monoscape terrain. I I actually oddly enjoy the game for mainlining the story, but I don't enjoy the gameplay loop enough to do anything not conveniently along the golden path. I think that's the biggest divider is like if you like the act of the delivery system yeah, dealing with that, whether it's on foot or by car or whatnot. I I actually I had explained I explained that to somebody on Twitter the other day before the game was out and I had tried to be as spoiler free as possible. But they were like, if I like the really tedious parts of Red Dead Redemption too, will I like this? And it was sort of hard to explain because it's like that's such a. It's a, it's a bigger game and it's it's more spread out and it's definitely slow and, and at, at times cumbersome. But I think like minute to minute, there's so much more happening in that world. Um, like there's rattlesnakes and there's hunt. You could just stop in the middle and go hunting for hours. There's like NPCs that remember you. <laughs> like there's a lot more. There's a lot more systems at play in that game. I think it's just like a deeper, richer world. Has the entire online experience. Like if if you're like I'm a big fan of like slow, tedious games. Which of these two who should I get? I'd be like Red Dead. I mean, Red Dead's that's a desert island game. You know, I think you could play that game for two hundred something hours and not see it all. I remember yeah, getting to a- like New Orleans in that game and just putting the controller down and being like, 
Oh God, there's a lot here. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of content. Like yeah. this is no, too much. It's massive. And then there's the whole online component, yep. which is yep. like a more conventional, you know, not not a new genre of online component. It's you know, I do think that um, when you get to the stuff in Death Stranding where it's like helping you know repave roads and rebuild stuff, that's that was the part that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that really clicked for me is how it felt like it felt like a literal like a very literal sandbox game. We've been using that term for like 20 years now to describe stuff like GTA 3, where you have a bazooka and a Harrier jet, and <laughs> you know you can do whatever the hell you want, mostly blow stuff up and cause mayhem. But the fundamental thing of a sandbox is construction. You yeah. Know? Like it's, it's typically little kids. I mean, maybe you take out your GI Joes and launch some missiles, but like, I don't know. I feel like it reminded me of... Uh, playing with toys at the beach as a kid and like making like I'm gonna make a little river and then I'm gonna have my trucks go across it but oh no we need a bridge better use like you know some sticks to make a bridge yeah Mm -hmm. and like that's so there was something very like very pure and very like just it it really connected with that sense of of, like I'm gonna go and get a big box of metal and I'm gonna go and upgrade a road so that other people can use it building the roads has been the thing that has like been feeding my addiction to this game right yeah. now. Like the yeah. white reason I'm loving it is that like that loop of okay, I need to go fix this patch of road. Oh, along the way, there's these four deliveries I can do, and also I can maybe fix up that bridge over there, and I can do this. That part has been what really has hooked into me. And there's no speedrunning community for children at the beach playing with sticks. Very you know, true. like it's much more of like oh, like just going, you're puttering around, going about your business. Yeah. You kind of. Though I am yeah. curious to see what speedruns of this game look like. Uh, Marco said on the YouTube side of the community, I'm in love with this game. I'm over 60 hours in. I haven't found it boring or tedious. The constant upgrades, item structure, and story keep the game fresh all the time. I really hope it does well. The industry needs this type of experience, and I would really love to see a sequel. I would really love to see what he does just totally different too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I, I haven't finished it, but I don't know if I need a sequel to this game. Versus a new idea. Um, but I do, I actually wrote a piece about this. I do hope people try out more things with the like social strand system and evolve that more. Because yeah. that, is, that is taking from like the Soulsborne era of things, journey a little bit. There are elements of those things and this just really makes it like a fundamental part of the gameplay. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't love Death Stranding. Yeah. I straight up don't. I've been pretty blunt about that. But the thing I've been thinking about is that part of me wishes that we were all in that alternate dimension where we spent the last two weeks playing a new Silent Hills game yeah. and like working together with the internet to uncover bizarre puzzles in all of its weird infinite loops that people are still pulling out from PT, which was just a tiny slice of what that game could have been. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm sort of like selfishly like mad at the universe for robbing us of that opportunity. Cause I think that like having this weird, bold, puzzly, like kind of survival horror game for the whole internet to band together and figure out to tail end 2019, this awful decade (laughs) would have been a lot more interesting than sort of like us fighting over how fun it is to deliver packages in in a game that I think honestly doesn't have any puzzles and doesn't really, it, it does have the social communication element of it, but like it's not as much as like, you know, like if you pee in this corner, the old ghost will mm-hmm. appear in the bathroom I'm, mirror. I think Kojima's used to making games with a much bigger team and a much more support behind him. And obviously this is like a triple A question mark, Sony first party ish game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, you know, he's admittedly got a smaller team. He said like, hey, we sort of went independent. Like this is, you know, this is not the monolithic Konami behind it. And a lot of people will celebrate that. But like, I think he needs to learn how to scale better. And yeah. how to, like, oh, yeah. I would love to see him make something that is, just completely dense and refined as opposed to sort of spread out. Me too. Um, totally. I mean, you can see this in, in terms of just like the scale of like 
like Metal Gear Solid Five is it has more has more stuff in it. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got like bears. It's got gerbils you can catch. It's got different types of trucks. Death Stranding has a truck. You know, like there's there's not really quite as much. And maybe they're gonna go in and add stuff across like over the years and be like, oh hey, like we've you know we've here's a content drop. Like it's weird because you know Days Gone is uh that doesn't have any single player DLC or story DLC, but they went in and in in conjunction with the launch of Death Stranding, they were like, hey, here's a new motorcycle gas tank. It's the BB. How weird is that? Here it is. Yeah, yeah. it reminds yeah. me a lot of uh, Suda Five One's games, uh, and I, he's another you know batshit crazy <laughs> Japanese video game auteur who I think works best when he's sort of confined uh, and consolidated. Killer7 is one of my favorite games of all time and it's entirely on rails. No More Heroes added, I believe is either one or two, added like an open world element because he was very clearly in a GTA and stuff at the time. And it was a very empty open world. And I think that like, rather than having an open world that's empty, I'd rather have a smaller world that's that's full, you know? Yeah. But we are we're so inclined to think that like every video game needs to be vast and gigantic and endless. Um, and I think it's sometimes at the expense of other things in the same way that you were saying before, like having a a 60 hour story is maybe not as good as having a 10 hour story with 50 hours worth of optional. I want to touch on that. Like people, people look at that. and, And if you say like the game is this long, it's like the game is as long as you play it. And if credits roll at the game, like I think there's a difference between a game that is, uh, like a linear story that takes, X amount of time to complete and cost X dollars versus something that is like it has the options. Like Minecraft was what like thirty bucks when it came out, and yeah, that has continued to be full of things for people to do. Yeah, like I think it's it's disingenuous to be like, oh, that how long is that game? How long will it take you to beat it? And it's like, well, what do you mean by beat it? Um, but I mean, obviously, Kojima is like both wanting to connect players with each other through this weird, you know, asymmetrical multiplayer thing, but also tell a story and like the story for how much story is there and how much there is in the world, I think takes too long for him to tell it. But I don't know. He's also got like these weird, like leftover bits and pieces of, of silent Hills and phantom pain. And I think a little bit of metal gear solid five in there to, or, uh, uh, four in there too. Yeah. It's odd. Cause I mean, no one ever says how long is the story in GTA five? No <laughs> one's ever said that. Cause people are always like, well, it's uh, it's like that lolly that lollipop owl. <laughs> it's like he takes one, three licks and then he two, bites into it. Yeah, a three, a yeah. playable <laughs> protagonist. <laughs> yeah, and so you, I mean, you're playing the story in GTA, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oops, car chase!" Yeah, and then you're distracted for an hour and a half, and you're on a roof as Trevor shooting cops for forty five minutes. You wake up in a hospital, blacked out, drunk, and you're like, "I don't know what happened." Yep. and I don't know how long the story is in that game. Well, and even on a like smaller scale game right now that's come out recently, like The Outer Worlds. Yeah. Yep. I'm. I got to a new world, and I have this mission. I just got 20 more missions in the next 10 minutes because there are so many yeah. options, yep. and I'm just going to follow all those paths and yep. see how it goes. There's a lot of games are what you make of it. Now. Yeah, I mean, you can you can mainline Breath of the Wild, and what did I just? I don't know. Okay. It's probably fine for the best. <laughs> Yikes! It's um, no Breath of the Wild. You can mainline that in like what five hours, something yep. like that. And then Skyrim. I remember they were like, yes, the main thing, the whole Dovahkin Dragonborn story is like. Three and a half hours if you burn through it. <laughs> what is it? Uh, is it Fallout Four where you can eat like pagan men's crab rangoon and get in a helicopter? Far Cry Four. Far, yeah. Yeah. Far Cry Fallout Four. Fallout 4. Pagan <laughs> men. No, Fallout, Fallout New Vegas is yeah. the same way. Same way, right? So you yeah. Just, yeah. If you just actually burn through it, it's not that long of a game. But there's a gigantic world surrounding that game. 
I don't know, like, I, everyone's always like, oh, I never, you know, I never beat Skyrim. It's like, yeah, because you got too distracted putting baskets on people's heads and stealing cheese rolls. You have no idea what happens to those stupid dragons. Yeah, how long is the story in yeah. Skyrim? You were crafting armor out of glass. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think, and it's it sucks to be like, I wish the story, or I wish the main campaign was shorter, and people were like, oh, that sounds like a ripoff to me. And it's like, just dream bigger. Think <laughs> think of a grander game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and seeing the disparate reactions to this game I think shows there's a lot you can make from this game or not much for you there depending on what you're looking for Uh, another example Jim wrote in the YouTube group and said I've really been enjoying my time with it it's a great relax after work game there's something so satisfying about charting your course fighting off mules and BTs on your journey and successfully making it to your destination especially when some other player placed a bridge or a generator at the perfect spot for you uh, Zay Manel said one of the best podcast games ever while on delivery <laughs> I listen to podcasts or music and when the story or low roars songs come up I put the headphones back into the PS4 controller and I'm loving it for that um, of all that we got a bunch of other reactions but we're a little short on time so last one I just wanted to read was from Ryan from Pasadena in the YouTube group Get ready. Ryan said, Hey, Beyond, after a week of worry from mixed reviews, the Thursday finally came to pick up my early release up at GameStop. Unfortunately, crossing the parking lot, I was hit by a car filled with drunken teens, ended up in the hospital, and wasn't able to play it until Friday. Are you okay? Rest assured, I'm fine. Just a little banged up, but I wanted to tell you my fears were swept away. The game is beautifully designed and one of the most unique experiences I've had in a long time. The story acting and the repetition of embarking on a long trek while having new abilities handed to you just when you think it may be impossible really makes you feel like you're rewarded for your contributions. Highly recommended adventure beyond. I'm just happy you're okay. Yeah, I'm happy you're okay too. Yeah. And I hope it's not too soon to joke about this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Death Stranding would have been so much more fun if it had cars full of drunken teens driving around. I was going to say, I yeah. wish I played it on Painkillers too. <laughs> if uh, the mules were drunk while you're driving around. God, like what, that, that should be a commercial for that game. Is like trying to cross a parking lot to pick up a single package from a store and you're getting by a when, car full When this teens. comes to a PC, please someone out there make a mod of all the mules just being drunk teens yelling wow. at you in a car. Amazing. Um, I'm so glad you're okay and that yes. you enjoyed it. We are too, yes. Uh, that, is, that is a... A good anecdote to end this. On. Yes, yeah. Uh, thank you so much, though, to everyone who wrote in with all of your opinions. Uh, obviously, we'll talk a bit more about this game to come. There are more features, more coverage going up on the website. If you are playing Death Stranding, please, please, please go check out uh, our Death Stranding guide and walkthrough. Uh, Brendan Graber and a bunch of our guides and wiki team have been putting so much time into building and fleshing that thing out to be as helpful a resource as you may ever need. Uh, it's really comprehensive. It's really great. Brendan spent forever building a giant zipline course over the mountains so other people wouldn't have to worry about it. He is a trooper and a saint and please, please, please go check it out if you're playing. We also have an ending explained coming and I believe an in five Five or more minutes. And then a spoiler cast full of the people who actually finished it. Yes, that is true. And what else? Oh, we did a a video I'm very proud of that everyone should go check out. Oh, yes. It might not be the best stealth action game of the year, but it is, in fact, 2019's best snowboarding game, and Ryan and I put that to the test, doing some stunts. SSX Bridgie. That's my favorite. (laughs) Um, As a tricky fan, I'll allow it. Uh, But anyway, thank you so much to everyone who wrote in. Please check all of that stuff out. Uh, We're a little short on time, so going to blaze through what we're playing. Not because it's 420, but because we don't have time. Uh, Just to mention... Check out my Arise preview. Arise A Simple Story was a game that was shown in the last state of play. Uh, It was this like beautiful looking 3D platformer sort of thing. It's actually a pretty cool uh, time manipulation platformer. Uh, Comes out December 2nd. It's very close. So we'll probably talk about the game when it launches, but go check it out. I played two levels, which were really fun. Uh, But to wrap up the show, I want to do two things. One, a new segment 
comment of the week. Ooh. Uh, this is based on a suggestion from the wonderful Max Scoville. So thank long, you, Max. Long time listener, first time caller. Yes. Uh, no, I, we talked about it last week, but like, thank you to everyone who jumped into the comments after we talked a little bit about you know, some of the negativity that can come up. So many of you are so positive. Yeah. And so, so many of sorry you... Sorry for whining, but thanks for making us feel better. Yes, thank you for that. But so many of you are trying to like push the conversation forward and talk about the stuff we're talking about. And so we do want to reward that on the show. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk, uh, bring up as a comment of the week this week, uh, we grabbed from the YouTube community this week was actually one you responded to on there, Brian. Uh, it was from Kiki Vulcan. Kiki Vulcan said, great show. I had to smile when Jonathan was pulling up the memory card and Lucy and Brian were just talking about memory cards in general until he <laughs> found the email. It's funny that you do a whole show commenting on different relevant and recent things in depth. Yet I comment on this little mundane aspect of running a podcast instead. Oh, well, it's the details. Somehow I like noticing the little things the most, like good segues, for example. Anyway, I want more melee weapons in Horizon 2. I stopped playing Horizon Zero Dawn after I couldn't keep up even on the easiest setting because I couldn't let loose all the arrow shots and other things fast enough. I really wish I could have done more with the spear. I generally play games heavy-handed, just barging straight in, so I guess I should have paid more attention to the gameplay trailer, uh, people's let's plays to figure out that I'm too slow to play it. It's not you, Horizon Zero Dawn. It's me. I'll wait to see how Horizon 2 is. Um... And yeah, obviously we talked a lot about what we wanted out of Horizon 2. And I, I would agree the first game, it, you can really fall into a pattern of like there are a few weapons that if you're not using, you're probably not going to have a great time getting through. Yep. Like it's going to be a little too difficult in certain areas. Um, so I think finding that balance and letting different builds, for lack of a better term, depending on how complex the game is, will be an interesting thing to have. Um, but thank you anyway so much for that comment. And for everyone else who's been commenting, we'll read some comments each week on the show, but to wrap things up, we're going to jump into a memory card. I'm going to say it was playing. Uh, the first thing I want to read was actually a reply to another memory card story, which uh, the email comes from Nafia, who was writing in response to Ben's story from episode 614. Nafia said, hello and beyond. I just finished watching, listening to beyond episode 614 and Ben's memory card story really touched me. If possible, I'd like to use this as a way to thank him for sharing such a great story as it reminded me that nothing's impossible. And if you keep working hard and believing in what you want to do as a passion, you'll get there eventually, but surely I'm tearing up as I type this, as I myself have dreams, goals to work in the games industry as an artist. Thank you again, Ben. And to the people of beyond, hope you have a lovely day. Much love, much love from Dubai and Nafia. Um, and Ben's story, if you didn't listen to it, was a really great uh, full circle story of how he now has a job at PlayStation. Uh, it was a really great story. Go check out that episode if you haven't heard it. But uh, thank you for writing in. And I like that we can have conversations of memory card stories weeks apart. It's like some kind of a social strand system. Interesting. Wild. Stop it. <laughs> 12 likes. Uh, anyway, moving on from that, wanted to read one story from... Uh, James. James wrote in, said, Beyond Crew, being an active duty soldier, I have several great PlayStation memories. However, the most recent and the one that sticks out the most is when I was stationed in Korea. Having to leave my wife and family behind for a year was rough, but I took my PS4 with me and would capture and post a video of me playing games to share with my son so that he could embark on adventures with Kratos and hunting monsters with me in Monster Hunter World. However, the best moment came when my 11th anniversary with my wife was approaching. She's not the biggest gamer, but has enjoyed the Kingdom Hearts series. You picked a good one. <laughs> we have played through them <laughs> together and was looking forward to for a very long time to the third being released. She called to say that I was not allowed to buy it as she had. 
I would have, uh, excuse me, I would have to wait to get home so that we could play it together. With six months of my deployment left, this wasn't an easy feat, but fast forward to my return, having settled into my new job in Alabama, I came home to find my wife had decorated the house in Kingdom Hearts swag, ordered a pizza and had the game up on our TV. We played together in celebration of me, uh, of being married for 11 years and had a great time in the new story with Sora and his crew. That's beautiful. Celebration of being married for 11 years and waiting for Kingdom Hearts for 17. 17 years. Uh, thank you for writing in that story. It, uh, again, thank you everyone who's been writing in with the stories of your life with PlayStation and gaming in general and how it's impacted all of your lives. We really, really appreciate that you're willing to open up like that. And if you have a story to share in our memory card segment each week, write into beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card. We will read those on the show each week. We will also, of course, read any questions or comments you have on the show in future weeks to come. But... Without further ado, that is the end of Beyond Episode 617. It is over. I'm can sorry. We you get, can we do it again next week? Yeah. Uh, not 617. We'll do 618. Oh, but only yeah. if you're good. Yes. Okay. We'll see how it goes because you guys have a video shoot to get to. That's what? right. Yeah. Ah, crap. Anyway, uh, of course, when we're not recording this show, we are at IGN.com, YouTube.com slash IGN, and all of our various social channels. We're making a ton of stuff. As Max had just mentioned, uh, the very funny uh, Death Stranding snowboarding video. Please go check it out. It goes uh, downhill real fast. Yeah. Uh, Brian, anything else you want to tout? No, that was perfect. Fair enough. Uh, when we're not here, of course, we're also on Twitter. I am at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle, and I guess Max is at Max Scoville. Also, Lucy O'Brien is at Lucy O'Brien. Sometimes she'll be on the show. But otherwise, He's still standing in the corner. It's, it's a little weird. Thank you so much for listening and or watching to this episode. And as always, Beyond. 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 Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.